Hey, Mark. How's it going, man? Good, good. We are here today with Mark D. Williams. He is a filmmaker and it's an award-winning filmmaker, actually. He's been, uh, been around tons of festivals, awarded uh, for editing, directing, acting. And we actually had the privilege of meeting Mark in uh, Oklahoma at the First Americans Museum uh, opening. And it was, it was really amazing to see him work. And we wanted to have him down on the podcast. And here we are. How's it going, man? It's going pretty good. Thanks for, thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. I know that you've, you are doing a lot of cultural work with the Native American community currently, yes, but how did you start off? What made you get into filmmaking? We'll just get right to it. Tell me a little bit about your background and who you are and what do you do? Okay. So, um, I am Oklahoma Choctaw, Mississippi Choctaw. And uh, I live, currently I live here in Shawnee, Oklahoma right now, but I grew up a little bit in Mississippi as well, on the reservation down in Mississippi. Uh, started filmmaking about 15 years ago, um, and probably to go even further back, I've always been interested in just doing creative things. So as, when I was younger, I would write, draw things, uh, but never really got into any kind of video work until I got older. Um, about 15 years ago, I wrote a, a short film that starred, uh, you know, when you first starting off, friends, family, uh, just begging people to be in your in your movie. Um, this was at that time was kind of something more just for fun. Uh, wanted to just kind of try it out, and then we made this little short film. Um, you know, very very bad, I guess. A very cheap, cost like 200 bucks to make it. Uh, but, you know, we didn't expect too much, but, you know, my nephew and niece is starting it. And so um, I gave that it was, gave that DVD to some friends and family to watch. And, you know, a couple of months went by and I get this phone call from a, a film festival in Tulsa. And they somehow got a hold of it, wanted to show it at their festival. And at that time, I'd never been to a film festival, didn't even really know what it was. Um, I showed up and... Um, Again, you got to remember, this is my very first one making, and uh, so I was really nervous, and and uh, thought they were just going to laugh, you know, at, at how, how bad it was, but um, it was a horror film that we put together, and this little $200 movie that we made was scaring the audience, you know, they were jumping and closing their eyes and everything, and it was, it was one of those moments where at that point that you know that you're hooked, this is what you want to do for a living, so... You know, at that point, I just started studying more and more, making more films, um, just self-teaching. I've never been to film school, so everything, um, making the next movie was my film school. That's and awesome. then it just kind of started getting to where the, the, the budgets got bigger, the projects got bigger, uh, to the point where I was casting. And then, you know, fast forward years later, um, you know, I got people calling me to make their films. And so um, that's kind of how it started and, you know, a whole lot of stuff in between, too. That's really awesome. Um, how old were you when you when that first happened? Man, so uh, let's see. I was probably in the, in the early thirties. Early thirties. Wow. Early thirties. Yeah, yeah. That, got a, it, I, I feel I feel like I got a late start to it. Yeah, yeah. and I mean, late start or not, I mean, you know, I think that's you never know when when you know 
what makes you take a turn in your life and you yeah. find your passion and you know or you you know find that thing that you're meant to do uh so that's really cool are you familiar with the filmmaker darren aronofsky uh i'm not i don't think so uh he made the wrestler uh okay. the you know wrecking for a dream pie yeah. I'm sure you've heard of those films. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. When he first started off, um, and it was based in New York, he was shooting in Subway, the movie Pie. He basically asked everyone that, um, hey, let me borrow 100 bucks. I want to make this film. And once I make it, it will do well. I'll just mm -hmm. give you 200 back. And that's nice. how he started, made his first film and put his name on the map. Like, you know. When people saw Pi, it's like, oh, holy crap. This guy's yeah. a black and white film. He had no permits. And he, sh in, in, in New York City, you definitely need permits to shoot in the subway and everywhere else. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. He basically ran around with his friend with a camera and just shot. And it was guerrilla style because every time the cops came by to check a permit, they just ran away. Yeah, yeah. So you never, you know, you awesome. have to start somewhere, right? <laughs> and you with your 200 bucks, that's really cool that, you know, that's what put you on the map. Uh, so you, you mentioned that you began with um, horror stuff. What was the first film? Tell me about that. The very first one I did uh, with the nephew and niece yeah. uh, was something called uh, The Dare. And um, it, it was kind of kind of loosely based on something that me and, and my friend used to do as, as kids. And, you know, talk about it now, it sounds kind of dumb. But <laughs> we used to dare each other to go into a cemetery and to prove that, you know, we uh, made it so far, we had these sticks. And we had to place it in certain places in the cemetery. And the next day we go back and say, and like, see, you know, I made it this far or I made it further than you did, you know. And I always just, just uh, I don't know why I had this in the back of my head, was what if one of my friends um, went out there and didn't come back. And, and they, it just kind of started from there. I wrote about that, um, uh, that idea. And from there, just, I wrote this. It was about a... a 15-minute little short film. Um, it was kind of based on if it, if it was me, if it happened to me, if my two friends didn't come back, the guilt that I had to uh, live with, you know. And so it was kind of just loosely based on that. Um, so that was the very first one I did. And the, the next few ones were kind of something similar, uh, horror films, thrillers. For some reason, I just kind of gravitated toward that kind of storytelling. Um, it just kind of came natural uh, for me. And it was fun, too, just to see the audience's reaction. That's what I really got kicked out of early on. Yeah, and you mentioned that the first time you were at the festival, people did mm -hmm. feel like, oh, there's a shock value to it. And yeah. that's the greatest reward you can receive as a filmmaker or an actor or an artist. Um, oh, yeah. So yeah, definitely. I, I sat there in the back and, you know, I didn't, you know, because the, the movie right before mine was a, a huge $2 million budget film. Right, right before they showed mine, and then mine was two hundred dollars. So I was, I, I, I was, I was second guessing. I, like, I should not be here. I, I didn't want to be here. So I sat in the back of the theater. Didn't want them to say who I was, and um, but it helped because yeah, I still do that today. To this day, I'll still try to sit to the back of the, at these festival screenings because I start watching audience members and seeing if they're if it's working, to see if it's clicking, to see if the ideas that I had, if it's you know if, it, if it's hitting them, and so. I sat there in the back and, you know, they were, like I said, just jumping, closing their eyes and at, the, at the, all the right parts. That's awesome. Now, it's it's so interesting that you mentioned that it was something you guys used to play this game uh, yeah. on how far you can go to the graveyard. Um, 
and it's something that you knew and you're always interested, like a horror kind of interested you from the beginning. Is that because of your upbringing or how you grew up or what you did with your friends? Why, why horror? I think it's, it's a little bit, uh, yeah, you, you kind of touched on that. I, I don't know what it is with, with natives. Whenever we get together at some point, someone's going to start telling ghost stories. And I don't know why that is that it just <laughs> happens. And I just remember as a young kid, um, you know, my uncles or, you know, the older guys, older people would be start telling me stories and other kids go out and play, but I always wanted to hear what they had to say. And it just always intrigued me. And you can just sense when someone's getting scared and I say, you know, if we're outside and they're telling these ghost stories and if there's a sound in the woods, everybody kind of jumps and they kind of like look at each other and they kind of laugh and you're like, well, you were scared. No, you were scared. It was just something about that um, dynamic where they just enjoyed kind of scaring each other. And I think I just kind of gravitated toward that. And I just remembered some of those stories too. And it kind of creeped into my storytelling as well. So um, whenever I would start thinking about ideas or scenes or anything like that, I just sometimes would recall things and it just, you know, kind of came into my writing. That's awesome. Uh, now, uh, you mentioned that you're um, Choctaw uh, from Oklahoma and Choctaw, Mississippi. Yes, sir. Uh, could you explain that a little bit? What's the difference and how, like, explain that a little bit, I guess. I don't want to, you know, assume anything, but. Well, well, Choctaws, uh, we, we're a Southeast tribe. And so we. I'm sorry, you cut off a little bit. What was that? Land is Mississippi. Excuse me? What tribe? Choctaw. No, no, I know. You said Choctaw is something tribe? Oh, Southeastern. Southeastern, Southeastern. United States. Okay, gotcha. And so you have a cluster of these different tribes that originate from the Southeastern part of, of the United States. Mm -hmm. And so uh, what we would say would be our homeland or our motherland would be Mississippi. Gotcha. And so um, I'm sure maybe some of your listeners are familiar with the Trail of Tears. Yeah, of course. Uh, so that's what, that's what led or what they brought or took the Choctaws from our homeland, forced them to Indian Territory, which is Oklahoma now. And so the majority of the Choctaws went to Oklahoma some of the ones that stayed Mississippi became the Mississippi Band of Choctaw Indians. The ones that were forced to Indian territory became the Choctaw Nation of Oklahoma. And so uh, my mom was Oklahoma Choctaw, my dad was Mississippi Choctaw. And so um, they met in college and, and, and then uh, years later I came out. And <laughs> so now I'm, uh, I can say I'm, I'm full blood Choctaw, but half Oklahoma, half Mississippi. Yeah, that's, uh, wow, thanks for, you know, explaining that to us. Uh, yeah, um, you know, just for, um, you know, Michael wasn't there for um, for the grand opening of FAM, but mm -hmm. he was there with me the first time we met uh, Dave Franks, who's okay. actually the, you know, tribal uh, tribal leader from the Seminole Nation of Oklahoma. And he introduced us, you and I. Yeah. And uh, he, when I was with Jake Tiger and Rodney Factor, they, I interviewed them and uh, they told me the story about their people that, you know, the Seminoles that came from Florida and that they're now in Oklahoma. So a very similar, you know, same Trail of Tears story, which mm -hmm. is horrifying. I do want to touch on a um, lot of the things that are important right now to talk about. And I know that you've, you know, transitioned a bit into the working with the uh, more cultural and you know, heritage stuff of your, you know, uh, of your background. And 
your filmmaking has kind of veered towards that as of recently. Uh, but it's good to hear that the inspiration comes from a place of struggle and place of pain, uh, especially for you know your people in Oklahoma. How does that affect your filmmaking? Uh, well, for me, it, 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 it's about giving, giving that pastor voice. And so that's where I think my passion kind of comes into is there are stories out there that a lot of people either um, don't know about or maybe don't want to hear. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, it's important that we, that we highlight and, and, and tell these stories and educate people on why some of these uh, issues are, are important to us. And so um, a lot of the times too, it's, it's me learning as well, uh, learning about my people, learning about the, the, the traditions and the culture, things that I didn't really grow up on. I'm now hearing it from the elders. So um, when I get to interview and sit down with them, I will literally forget that I'm working. I'm, I will forget that we're actually filming, that there's cameras with us because the story that, they, that they're telling me um, it's just like we're sitting there having a conversation and then, um, to hear them afterwards, thank you for sharing stories to thank you for, um, giving them the opportunity to, to talk about it. Um, that for me, that, that, that's kind of what does it. That's what kind of keeps me going. How, how do you feel about like, um, now, now that you have this kind of like asset and this trait that you're actually digitally copying these stuff instead of like finding a, a, a lost tomb somewhere and trying to decipher this lost ancient language to tell this story. And, you know, just like assuming you go into a cave, let's say you go into a cave and mm -hmm. you, you see these kind of pictures and you're trying to piece up what these pictures are telling out of a story rather than have, you know, captured, um, the live words of, these elders and these uh, wise folks to express their stories, to tell it. Because sometimes when I get these um, stories out of my grandma and like how they came out to the sea, my jaws just dropped. Mm -hmm. like, like all these struggles that, you know, these millennials would never ever dare mm -hmm. try in their lifetime. <laughs> how does that make you feel? It's like, it's, uh, are, you feel like you, you're capturing every single essence as much as possible for your heritage and everything like that? I mean, it just, it's just, it's just humbling. It's humbling that they, um, you know, it's, as an artist, I guess you, you always kind of critique yourself or you wonder if you're good enough to do things. And um, the fact that they keep, you know, coming back to me to, to, to um, bring me all these projects, to tell these stories, um, it, it, it's 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 an honor, but it's also humbling too that that they trust me with with these family stories because some of the stuff they're, they're sharing is really tough. Um, and then they've told me before that if it was a non Choctaw, if it was a non Native filmmaker asking these questions, they probably wouldn't they wouldn't open right. up as much. Yeah. And there is just that issue. And even even the fact that I am Choctaw, sometimes they they're kind of reserved about it. Um, because they want to know, uh, what are you going to do with my story? What are you going to, are you going to exploit it? Are you going to try to over-dramatize it? Or, you know, what's, what's the end process of it? Uh, but once they see it on the big screen, and again, when they come to you and shake your hands afterwards, and, you know, sometimes they've got tears in their eyes, um, thanking you. And so it's just, it's just a humbling feeling that I really can't, really can't explain other than that. 
and um, just grateful that they keep coming to me and asking me to, to do these uh, projects. We've got some more coming up too. So just always grateful. That's, that's really cool. And, I, and I've experienced this firsthand because I'm, I'm not a native. I don't have any native blood. And when I was uh, mingling with your, with your people and with the Native American community in Oklahoma, uh, most were very gracious with open arms because they, you know, they knew that I was coming from a good place, you know, yeah. uh, genuine, you know, desire to just tell and share their stories. But there were also certain folks who were understandably fearful of what will I do with their stories. Right, right. Um, and again, when I say understandably, of course, because what has for centuries, what has outsiders done with Native American stuff, you know, mm -hmm. they've exploited it in every single way. Exploited, lied to, yeah. I mean, yeah. Over and over. Yeah. So of course I understand that fear, but once, you know, again, uh, I'm I'm so grateful for because um for people like Dave Franks, uh Jake Tiger, who's uh after getting to know me, did introduce uh, getting to know us, did introduce us to people like you and others who are more open to you know speaking with us. And um it was it was really, as you said, the word is humbling and grateful. Yeah. You know, because these stories I would have never known if if you just don't sit down and have a conversation with people. And um, so many of these stories are passed down orally, right? Mm -hmm. And we have this great ability nowadays to document these stories mm -hmm. and pass mm -hmm. them so it can reach so many more. And it's really cool that you're doing that, man. You mentioned something earlier that, you know, regarding these films that people either don't know about them or mm -hmm. they don't want to know about them. Mm -hmm. Explain that. Why do you think that is? Why do they not want to know about them? They don't want to admit uh, that their that their family, that their town, that their people did um, some of these tragic things. Gotcha. Um, or there's always that mentality of, of for non-natives, I guess, is oh that happened a long time ago. You know, get over it. You know, um, that's what uh, th this latest film that we have in the film festival circuit right now, uh, Ikiana Lachi is about the last trail of tears uh removal mm -hmm. and that's kind of the one i was kind of thinking about when i said that is because when you think trail of tears you know people think oh that was that was a long time ago it was in the 1830s 1840s that was so long ago mm -hmm. you need to kind of get over that but that film talks about the last removal that happened in 1903. Mm -hmm. a lot of people don't know that the choctaws came here in 1903. i didn't know about it until Choctaw Nation um, approached me about this project. And within that removal, there was a plot to sell these Choctaws off as slaves as well. Mm -hmm. um, one of those, also one of those unknown things. And so uh, the town that we talk about in the film may not, it, it's a dark past for them. And so they're not, you know, not really gonna wanna hear about it. They're not gonna really promote this film. But these stuff needs to be told, and so um, it's it's a dark past on them. But um, yeah, it's important that these family stories get out, and that this stuff really did happen to to the Choctaw people. But you know, through it all, you know, we're still here, and we're still uh, we still have our traditions, our language, and our culture, and uh, we're still you know we're still uh, a strong people. 
Well, that's that's great, man. And the fact that you're doing it is also pretty amazing because just because a uh, part of it, part of history is painful or not great to hear about because it brings up old wounds doesn't mean that it should not it should be forgotten. Mm-hmm. Um, but with even with all this work that you're doing currently, this is not your earlier work. And I think one of the reasons that I um I I was interested in your cultural work to begin with, but then Dave Franks told me that. You know, he first started off with paranormal videos. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and um, I'm like, wait, what? And I was like, I was really intrigued. And that's one of the reasons that I wanted to talk to you now towards Halloween, because I, I thought it'd be a great transition for us to have you as one of our first guests for the tribute that we're paying for the Native American, um, you know, Heritage Month uh, next month. That we'll start with the paranormal stuff with you and transition into your cultural work. So one of the, one of the um, films that you sent us was called Violet. Tell yes. us a little, a little bit about this film. Uh, so Violet was a, a film that I wrote in 2014, I believe. And uh, it's, a, it's a thriller, mystery, some festivals categorized as, as a horror film. But um, it's about this uh, uh, mental patient that uh, escapes her facility and uh, mysteriously dies. And um, her, her death is uh, unsolved until 30 years later when things start happening all over again. And um, it, it stars a, uh, an all Native American cast. One of the things I'm really proud about the film is there's no reference to anything uh, anything about them being native there's no native theme to it it's just an all-native cast playing this uh the, these characters that it's a it's a universal story and so i wanted to make a film like that to where they're not playing a stereotype they're not playing to uh, what, what you normally see on tv they're just playing these roles that's and awesome you could, you could put almost any race into it it's, it's the same story and so uh, these actors, they were grateful for that opportunity because they always get cast in, you know, this is the, this is the, the, the token Indian in this film, you know. And so okay. it was an opportunity for them to show their range and what they could do um, in, in a thriller. And so um, we made it, released it in 2016, I believe. Uh, did really well, won a bunch of awards. Um, and just, yeah, just really, really proud of it. Um, you sent us a trailer for it. and I'm going to share that with the audience. Um, we'll take a quick look at that and then, um, we'll, uh, you can tell us about it, um, a little bit. So Carrie, Michael, what do you think? You really think this is the one? I do. I really do. How's the move going? Gotta get everything in. Almost there, Pops. I think we grabbed one of your dad's boxes. What was the name of that place you worked at again? Collins Psychiatric Hospital. Is it a scary place? Never been there. I was pretty young when he retired, and he really never talked about it much. My God! This old woman standing right there. No, you didn't. You just had another nightmare. No, it wasn't, Michael. She was wearing those leg restraints. I'm looking for Dr. Tidwell. Is this his office? My father's Dr. Sam Harold. He used to work with Dr. Tidwell at Collins. Does the term subject 23 
mean anything to you? Sam Harold, chief psychologist at Cullen Psychiatric Hospital, the same hospital where just recently a patient has escaped. You weren't supposed to see that. <laughs> you were never supposed to find out. That's pretty creepy. It's funny, um, especially with, um, especially with, uh, I saw the beginning of the movie when he's first sent it to me and, uh, they're just this like loving home and she's talking about buying, um, that she can't believe that she's with the husband buying a new house together or something like that. So her range is actually pretty awesome because she is a uh, completely a sane and a very happy woman in the beginning and um i i don't think you show much of that at all in the trailer it's all her kind of uh spiral down right yeah, yeah. so I, I have to um say the music was spot on yeah yeah well done the soundtrack too <laughs> that that got my heart racing a bit that's 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 the best part of like a horror story is when your heart is racing and you're not even like exercising or doing anything it's just it's just coming out of feeling <laughs> yeah no um that was on fine so what um how, well what was the budget for that film that, that was, that's not 200 dollars movie at all no it wasn't 200 i think it was about 16 16 000, so he's still very very uh very cheap, but I mean, um, by that time, uh, I had done a few films and I had people that was kind of wanting to work with me. And so, uh, they was able to do it uh, at a low cost and, uh, make sacrifices so we could make this, make this film. So about 16,000. And the production value looks amazing. Uh, now how long did you, how long is that movie? I think it's about 45 minutes, correct? Yeah. Just under, under 45, um, so when I made it, I was trying to get into a certain film festival, and, um, and I forgot which one it was. But I remember the cut cut off between what they consider a short film right. and feature was forty five, and so uh, we we got it right under under forty five. Sent it in, and we won this award for uh, best uh, short film. Nice. But, but other festivals, anything over over thirty, they consider a feature film. Right. So it's funny that we have awards for best short film and best feature film for, <laughs> for Violet. And so, nice. But we'll take it. Yeah, we'll take it. Yeah. So, it, um, it is kind of weird time to time link, but uh, that's kind of why. I'm sorry, what was that? It, it is kind of weird, you know, time length, you know, 44 minutes. Right. But that, that's kind of why and, uh, when the, the very first draft of the film, I think it's only like 12 minutes. And then there was just so much to unpack. And so I just started writing more and more to the point where it ended up being what, what you said. That's great. Do, do you write these yourself? Yes. That's awesome. Uh, without any help, like, do you have any partners for writing or it just all coming from you? Uh, it all comes from me. Um, so whenever I get the first draft done, I mean, we'll get, I mean, I'll get input or right. um, by the time we start, you know, shooting the film, 
and I have it cast, you know, I'll, I'll talk to the actors and kind of just see what they think or do they feel like their character would do this, say that. And there's a lot of rewrites too during during filming, you know, sometimes right during a take, you know, we'll, we'll change some stuff up. But um, the first uh, draft and everything is, is stuff that I come up with. Now, uh, where is the inspiration from this? Like where, like for Violet, how did you think come up, come up with the idea? For Violet, um, and this kind of goes with a lot of the stuff that I've written before is an image will pop up in my head and something that just kind of sticks with me. And maybe that night or the next day, something is like, there's something there. And I'll just say whatever the image is, whatever the, the person is seeing, like who is this person? How did they get there? Why, when? all that stuff, then I started kind of going from there. For Violet, um, in the trailer, we saw that boy going down the cellar. That is where the inspiration came from. Uh, a buddy of mine, uh, we was hanging out at his house and I forgot, for whatever reason, we was in his backyard and I noticed he had a cellar back there. And uh, me as a, as a storyteller, I'm always thinking of different ideas. And I asked him about that cellar. I said, "What's in there? Is that like a storm shelter?" He said, "He said no, we hang, we hang out down there." <laughs> I said, "Okay." And so we went down that cellar, which is the actual one in the film. Mm-hmm. And when I just went to go check it out, and um, this is also the time when I was doing paranormal stuff too. I was doing paranormal documentaries, like you mentioned. Mm-hmm. So my mind was already kind of in that place. I went down that cellar, and he had a chair. It, it was totally empty. He had a chair in the middle of the room and a light bulb just hanging there. And it looked like almost like a torture kind of a vibe to it. And, um, and right at that moment, that's the feeling that I got was someone is basically forced to stay there. Maybe this person lived there. Why? And then the story just kind of came from there. I don't want to give too much away before uh, people hadn't seen the film yet, but it started from that cellar. And so it became Violet stayed in that cellar. Um, gotcha. I mean, not much people actually get into a paranormal uh, scenario. I myself have a paranormal story, which <laughs> I had told um, Niaz. And it, it, it always starts with like this kind of airy feeling. Mm-hmm. It's like, like, you know, even if you go down to a cellar or something like that, um, you get this like chill down your spine, like, you know, whether it's just like climate or something like that, it feels moist, cold, damp. <laughs> That's how that's how it started with mine. So, that's how it started. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, Mikey actually ended up with some scratches on his back when oh, he was wow. working on the construction site. Yeah, and um, and then what was it? Your your um coworker said that. So it it was like you know one of those long days you had when you you know work. We we started out in the basement. It was like a three uh, floor um uh, house unit, and we yeah. started out in the basement. Um, you know. Things were, you know, we're doing everything normally. Um, <clears throat> three days in, we started noticing because we always flip the breakers off, mm-hmm. try to conserve electricity and whatnot. Walk in there, and the bathroom light in the basement was always on when mm-hmm. we got in. And then later, it stopped. And that day where we noticed that it nothing happened, um, seemed like a normal day. Went back home, and I took a nice hot shower. And you know how when you get like a, like, sunburn and that yeah. hot water hits your skin oh yeah like a scorching feeling so i had that in my back and i didn't think much of it i didn't really take a glance but my friend who was managing the project 
talk to me about it. Like he was like, hey, anything weird happened to you last night? I was like, well, <laughs> that happened. Like I felt something burning in my back. He was like, get out. Let me take a look at your back. And then later he saw it and he just, whatever he had in his hand, he just dropped it. And he, he, he described this like, it's the same thing I have in my chest, which oh, is man. like almost like a Wolverine claw coming straight oh, down. Yeah. And that didn't disappear until after the job was done. Mm. Like it just. Until you guys left the site. Yeah. Yeah. So That is crazy. There's some new movie yeah. ideas for you there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, write it down right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I had a, I lived in a house once where there was a, we were told a old white lady. Uh, I come in and I, my buddy's living there. And um, I'm, I'm, there's like four roommates that live in the whole, whole house. And uh, my, one of my buddies owned the house. It's like, yeah, so like who owned the house? Like everything in this house looks very like old. He's mm -hmm. like, yeah, we bought the house from uh, uh, this old lady. Um, I'm like, okay, like why didn't you throw out the furniture? And like, well, you know, these are nice furniture. I'm like, these are like from the 1940s, man. That's like <laughs> new furniture. He's like, yeah, um, I'm pretty sure she died on that couch. I'm like, what? What? No, Dude, we've been like hanging on this couch for like months. No, we're not keeping this couch. Since he has said that, I swear to you, we've heard weird footsteps. Like we're all downstairs playing video games and we hear footsteps. I'm like, who's upstairs? None of, we're all down here. So uh, definitely our footsteps. We all started seeing just a glimpse of, just like nothing's creepy, whatever. It's a glimpse of a lady in just a white dress Maybe we're in the kitchen and we'll look in the living room. Just a glimpse right there and then gone. And we'll look, go in, it's gone. And we're like, dude, we need to throw all the furniture out. Like, we just need to throw everything out. And uh, we did. We did. It took us, like, that guy would not throw anything out. I'm like, we're not keeping, like, a couch where a lady has died. And then you bought his, bought our house. So um, once it was, it took us months to convince him. We threw everything out, bought new furniture, and then we stopped seeing her. And maybe it was all psychological, but I'm telling you, we heard footsteps. <laughs> One too many beers. You are cut off. <laughs> hey, I'm pretty sure you and your friend just had a good night with each other. And no, from the no. scratches. No, that's not <laughs> here. It, it was like it, it was scratching like, each other. It was an additional two weeks of having that painful feeling of like like just taking a hot normal shower. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, we going up uh, on a tangent, but um so Going back to your paranormal stuff, you mentioned that you've also done some documentaries. And mm -hmm. I believe that Dave Franks mentioned that um, some of the, there was one about a school with children about, um, could you tell us a little bit about that? Uh, yeah, well, we've done, we've done a couple of those uh, about some Native American, some boarding schools. Um, and so the very first one we did was about a boarding school in Concho, Oklahoma. And um, so kind of a, a quick history with uh, about the native people mm -hmm. was our our um ancestors back then when they came to indian territory and not just here in oklahoma but all over the country in canada um they were forced to go to these boarding schools literally forced and, mm -hmm. and um here in oklahoma i believe oh man there was there was 40 50 boarding schools here Oh. And a lot of bad things happened there. A lot of kids died there um, through diseases. Some were murdered, um, raped. Um, 
just a lot a lot of bad about history and so with all this tragic all this energy there's 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 lingering there's something lingering there and so um with these documentaries that i'm doing uh the paranormal documentaries that i'm doing we don't go straight into um, any kind of investigation or try and ask questions or anything like that. Part of my storytelling process is telling the history of whatever location we're at. Mm-hmm. And so it was important for me to, to do the research and find out what happened in these boarding schools and talk about it. Um, talk about the bad things that happened. I know some people may not want to hear it, but, you know, some of the tribes uh, funded some of these boarding schools. And so, so we, yeah, so we, we discussed that in, in the film. And then eventually we start telling uh, telling the, uh, the stories uh, about the people that may work there currently. And then the last half of the film is us going there and um, doing our investigations, if you want to call it that. And, mm-hmm. um, and then we present our findings through this documentary. Um, so we've done boarding schools, we've done churches, we've done some homes. Um, but at the same time, all of them too is telling the history of the uh, of each location as well and every one of them too has has it's called a native american paranormal project so every site has to have some kind of link to native history um and so yeah um, a lot of schools here in oklahoma that we visited and was able to talk about it and found a lot of unexplained footage um with uh with our stuff too and you, you definitely want to send me a link so we can share this with our audience because that sounds cool. Is this, a, is this an ongoing project that you're doing or um, is this kind of, because you mentioned there's a lot of schools. I'm sure you haven't visited all of them. Well, yeah. So, yeah, so it's not just the schools that we visited. Um, it, it is an ongoing project. In fact, that um, I want to do another one pretty soon. We've done uh, six feature films as far as documentaries, six feature documentaries. Uh, over the years, and about maybe eight or nine short ones. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's ongoing in the sense that we're going to do one sometime soon. We just don't have, we just don't have a location picked out yet, and I guess we're still trying to get the funds get together because I'm the one that funds all this stuff too. So all this comes out of my own pocket. So just trying to find location, secure it, and secure the funds as well. So um, the last one we did was in 2019. Um, at a at a school uh, in Tahlequah, Oklahoma, um, it was a, it was a Cherokee orphanage at, at, at one point. Later, became a university, um, and so that was the last one we did. Uh, pretty exciting one too, because we went Facebook Live with it. Uh, by that time, technology kind of caught up, and so we were able to do live live uh, investigation. And um, it was two o'clock in the morning. There's ten thousand people watching the videos with us. Really, ten thousand? Yeah, yeah. That and is so we, we put it out there. We had a Facebook page. We still have it up. Have over hundred thousand followers on it. What? And so we uh, promote. We say we're going to go out on this night. We're going to go live. Tune in. And so we're there, and there's yeah, ten thousand people is viewing it at two o'clock in the morning, and. Um, they're commenting things, saying, "I saw this, I heard that." Things that we couldn't, we didn't hear with their own ears. Wow. But uh, the, the place actually where we was at was used by the school, so it had it had Wi-Fi, <laughs> so we was able to 
between breaks, go back and watch the video of what we just shot. And we're seeing the comment. Someone says, I heard this, I heard that. And then sure enough, we could hear it on playback. During the live filming of it, we didn't hear anything. Wow. And so it was really cool just to get that interaction with, you know, with our audience and with our with our uh, our people that are fans, I guess. And um, that's something we want to incorporate to our next one is do go Facebook Live with it again. Nice. Yeah, let us know. We'll join in. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. definitely sounds like a realtor's nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Try explaining this. <laughs> um, it, it, it totally worked out because, you know, whenever we do these uh, shoots, uh, we're there, you know, six, seven, eight hours doing these investigations, asking questions. And the majority of the time, nothing happens. We're in a room asking questions, you know, is anybody here? What's your name? And there's no response. And so, but what you see in the final product, and like when you see almost, you know, TV shows like Ghost Hunters and all that, you're seeing kind of the highlight reel. You're not seeing the hours that went by where nothing happened. And so that was kind of one of the reasons I wanted to go Facebook Live to kind of show our audience that um, this isn't just you go out there, we find something or, you know, something happens right away. Right. It's, It's a tedious process. And it, you know, I wanted to kind of show what it took to make these, make these documentaries we got kind of lucky because right when we started filming, things started happening. And so, uh, which was great, which was great. But that was the reason I kind of wanted to go Facebook Live with it was one for transparency reasons, uh, but also just to show how tedious it can be to make these uh, documentaries. Now, when you said things started happening, what kind of things started happening? Uh, mostly, mostly responses to questions that we asked. Uh, we were getting, uh, you know, you ask the name, how old are you? Or sometimes if, we, if we're in a location and someone can speak that language, we'll, we'll speak the language if possible. And so we were getting some things, uh, responses back to us um, that they saw on the live feed that we weren't, weren't hearing. Um, so mostly at, at, on that, at that school, it was um, answers to our questions. Um, I got something pulled my arm uh, during filming, and I remember saying, "When we were in the basement in that in that place, something pulled my arm." And I said that I said that to to the guy I was with. I said, "Hey, something pulled my arm. I think it was behind me." And on the playback, you can hear something says, "It says like yes," or it was agreeing with me, like saying, "Yeah, like it." it I, I pulled your arm. Uh, but we didn't. Uh, I didn't hear that with my own ears. But the audience on the, on the live feed heard heard something say, you know, they pull arm. And so it, it was kind of happened throughout the whole night that um, they were hearing things that we couldn't hear. And it happens anyway whenever we're shooting this footage. After we shoot it, I go back home and I watch all the footage. We have three, four. Every team has a, their own camera. I have the main camera, so I'm watching everybody's footage listening for responses to our questions, things that we don't hear, you know, with our own ear during the filming part of it. Okay. First of all, yeah. what, um, <clears throat> that's, that's insane. One, two, <laughs> uh, why, why is that? Why do you think that is? Why aren't you hearing it in when you're there, but you hear it recorded afterwards? That is something I, I, I try to do some research on that, and I, I don't really have an answer for that. I mean, there's times where we're in the same room, 
and we I may have my main camera going. One of the teammates has one, another one has another, and we're all filming the same footage, going in the same direction, but it may be someone else's camera that, that gets this voice. Hmm. Um, sometimes also our be- phones, we're just sometimes they'll just, you know, grab the phones, start recording video on their on the camera phones, and those pick up really good stuff. So I, that's something I, I really can't explain why, you know, how come that is. Um, the only thing I can think of is when they're trying to manifest, when they're trying to let you know that they're there, some energy, when they're stronger, you can actually hear them. Um, if they're faint, if that energy, if they're still trying to manifest and form, then maybe that's when the technology picks it up in our, our ears. Well, uh, one of the most creepy ones in that particular episode was there was always stories about they would hear a baby cry on the second floor. Like I said, it was an orphanage, it was a Cherokee orphanage mm-hmm. that was built right after the uh, Civil War. And so there was um, the teacher, the people that worked there said they would hear a baby cry on the second floor. Uh, one of our team members, Brian Frejo, is live talking to the audience and he's saying, you know, I'm here on the second floor. We're about to do this investigation. As he's talking, he heard it it was so loud audience heard it this loud kid starts screaming down the hallway yep he turns around and maybe he just didn't want to scare himself he was like i think that's a cat <laughs> but it wasn't you could tell it was not a cat but it was a, it was a kid screaming in on the second floor everybody in on the facebook live video heard it commenting on it brian heard it with his own ears and so something like that i think it was just it was that strong you know like i said it's trying to manifest and so it's there and so he was able to hear it himself too. um <clears throat> so did you guys go up to look for this kid or see where the scream was coming from when he did that one he kept talking i think he heard it again and so um by that time i was in the cellar and that's when i think grabbed my arm too and so he... by yourself you're in the wait you're in the cellar by yourself no so uh what i do is uh, so before we even go shoot any kind of footage, I'll go and I'll interview all the people who may have stories. Um, I'll do research on the location. I don't really tell the team members too much. I just kind of tell them, hey, we're going to Tahlequah. We're going to this town. Because I want them to experience everything first. You know, like raw, I want their raw, raw reactions. So I'll do all the, in, the research and everything. So I kind of know what rooms has the most activity or, you know, that kind of stuff in the background. And so by the time they get there, I'll prep them in a sense that I'll put them in teams of twos or threes, and each one has their own camera. Mm-hmm. So we'll say for the first session, you guys go to the second floor, this team goes to the cellar, this one goes here. They're filming their sessions. I have the main camera, and I'll catch up to each team member doing their thing. And so when I was in the cellar, I was with one of the team groups. Okay. And then um, Brian was uh, in the first, on the second floor when he heard the kids. Question: Between when you catch up from team to team, are you are you traveling by yourself from one team yeah. to another team? Yeah. What is wrong with you? <laughs> what is wrong with you? Yeah. So Mike, what? Uh, people ask you a lot that do you get scared when you're uh, doing the doing these, and I mean, and not to like try to sound tough or anything, but to be honest, I don't. Only because I'm in my mind is in production mode. I'm thinking, are we getting the shots? How much time we get? Are are they getting good sound? Are they getting good lighting? How's it going to look? And so I'm I'm kind of editing in my head as well. And plus, I've been to that location probably a few times. 
the by time, yourself again. Not not during at night, <laughs> not at night. <laughs> and so um, the times that I kind of uh, maybe get scared, I guess, is when I'm like you said, going from team to team, trying to find them. So you are in the dark. Then I start thinking, wait a minute, you know, I'm by myself here. Something happens. I'm by myself. Um, at one of the schools that we was at, this school called Wheelock Academy, which was which was a talked on boarding school, uh, something did grab me. I was leaving the classroom, walking down the hallway, trying to find the next ten. So I'm leaving the classroom. Something grabbed my shoulder, and and pushed me out the door, and uh, it obviously didn't want me there. And it was a, it was a, it wasn't a kid. It was like the teacher. It was a, it was an adult hand. Just grabbed me and, and pushed me out the door. And, and, and so, what did you do after that? Uh, dude, I ran. <laughs> I, okay. I ran. So on the footage on the camera, you'll see me walking. I'm just walking right over face, but you can see see the moment when it grabbed me. The camera starts shaking because I take off running. I didn't I didn't look behind me. Um, and so, yeah, going from team to team, there is those moments where I'm by myself and. And uh, you kind of think about, yeah, this is, may not be the best idea. See, I, I tell this to Mikey all the time that I just don't fuck with ghosts. Monsters, you big Godzilla, I can punch, kill, do things to it, sure. If I can't do anything to you, or an entity that I can't do anything to, nope. Yeah. The fact that you made, decided to make this a career of yours is pretty amazing. And... I'm just gonna wrap my ha- head around it. So you, you record these things, and of mm-hmm. course, you know. So outside of that, getting pushed, has anything really bad happened to you? To me, or to anyone in your team? No, not really. I mean, we there's certain things that uh, that that natives uh, can do. We try to uh, there's certain things we do to protect ourselves. Um, things that we some things we share on camera, some things we don't. So. Um, but we think we to protect ourselves to keep it from following us home. Um, nothing really has followed us home. Um, we've got some people who's gotten pushed. Uh, someone got affected to the point where they got really, really sick. Something just came overcame them. I remember where um, I was looking at her. I could see in her eyes it wasn't her. She she was just not herself. Not like possessed or anything, but it was really, really affecting her. So she couldn't finish that particular investigation. Um, but one of the things that stays consistent with all of our um, these projects is if there's any kind of sense that something is is demonic or something that th- those are things that we won't we won't mess with. If it could, it could come down to you know safety or um, so. If there's any kind of feeling or thought of that, then we won't. So I'm not sure, like the fact that you don't, you do your own research and then don't tell them anything about it. Mm-hmm. I mean, from a production, I mean, like when you were saying like, oh, I'm just in production mode. I mean, like, well, there's a filmmaker, you know, <laughs> there's one <laughs> that's only thinking about, you know, the production. But yeah, I mean, you not telling them anything about the background is kind of genius, but you not telling them anything about the background is kind of evil. <laughs> and perhaps that makes you an evil genius, but uh, I don't know, man. Uh, if I was on your team, I'd be pretty upset, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> not being told uh, what's going on here. Now, so do you do you get the sense that the, the entities, the beings there, want you there? 
want their story to be told uh, or do you think that they want to be left in peace? What has your investigation thus far shown or tells you? I think with some of the responses that we've gotten, I think they, they do. Um, like I said, with, with if there's a particular location we, we can speak in, in, in the native tongue, then we'll do it. And we've gotten a lot of responses from it. Mm -hmm. um, a good example is this one I was talking about just a while ago, Wheelock Academy. It, it's, a, it's a Choctaw boarding school. Um, a few of our team members are Choctaw. Um, so my family went to went to this academy. And so when we're speaking in, in Choctaw, the responses that we're getting, they're telling us things, warning us things, telling us to be quiet because someone's coming. They're protecting us as well. Uh, we, we literally got these voices saying, uh, what is saying? Be quiet, be quiet, he's coming. Something like that. But who's he? Who's you're coming? We, 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 we don't know. We Get don't know. You know what? So you're saying you, someone's have, telling you he's coming and you don't know who? Yeah. No. What, was, what was really intriguing nope. about Wheelock is it was, it's an all-girls boarding school. And uh, it was an all-girls. It's closed now. Closed in 1955. But it was an all-girls uh, Choctaw boarding school. Um, some of the tribes kind of went there as well. But for the most part, Choctaw. We noticed that we were getting a lot of responses when our female team members were asking questions. Huh. Like they were comfortable with the females, which I kind of I kind of get. Right. And so toward the end of the evening, I had all the guys leave, not leave, but basically get out of the building. I had the females finish the investigation. Okay. And we started getting, all, and then it, it really, really picked <clears throat> up then. And so, I think we get um, really good responses from from uh, whatever is there, because one, because like I said we're speaking something that they're that they uh, it's it's their language, mm -hmm. something they're familiar with, something that they wasn't allowed to do while they were still alive there. You know, natives were we were or they were punished for speaking the language. Right. So now we're coming in and saying it's okay. It's okay to say it. It's okay to say it, to greet us in in, in, in Choctaw, and so they. I, I think they open up, um, and we're and we're basically telling their story. We're giving them a voice to kind of tell us well, what happened. Um, and so, you know, we don't go in there just hollering. We do. I, I what I think is very respectful. You know, we have a sincerity about the way we ask questions. Okay. Because when we go to this location, there's there's our our, our people went through this place. You know, we're not doing it for ratings. We're not doing it for shock value. Mm -hmm. We are sincerely saddened and hurt because our family went through this stuff. Right. And so there's probably, I'm, I'm sure that's something that they can sense, that we're, we're doing this, you know, in a, in a probably more respectful and proper way. You know, we're not trying to just capture something and prove to people that we locked is haunted. We want to tell their story. And I think they get that. Wow. Okay. Do you, um, ID sent us a lot of stuff that, you know, I want to look at, but I mean, do you have any links? To, where can people see this stuff? So most of it would be, uh, we have a lot of support on YouTube right now. Uh, okay. I have a YouTube channel, Native Boy Productions. Yep. Um, they can go on there. Um, there should be a playlist on there. But yeah, they can just scroll down there. You'll see some other films as well. Wait, can we pull so, these stuff up right stuff. now? Is that cool? Sorry. Can we pull one of these stuff up right now? Yeah, I think I may have seen. I think the link or uh, 
No, no. Go go to the um go to the links that he sent us. Which one is it? Uh our church. Our church, that's that's the feature. I think I sent you the film, not the trailer. Oh, do you have a trailer? Let me see. If you YouTube it, can you find it? Yeah, probably so. Yeah, let's just YouTube. Uh, uh, open up a new YouTube page and just do our church trailer, Native Boy Productions, right? Is there a trailer on there already? <laughs> I'm, I'm looking for it. Yeah, uh, our church, the official trailer. I, I got one I can send to you right now. 2018, right? Yes. Okay. There's one that says official trailer. Yeah, but just just search that. Uh, texty one. Is it the one with the that start that's that has like a red? Let's see, BD horror trailers. Be the author. Okay, the trailer. Yeah. All right, let's put this thing up right now. Uh, I'm copying some to the. Yep. This is actually my favorite one too. Um. Yeah, because I'm. <laughs> Dude, this seems insane that you're doing this. <laughs> um, the fact that you're going out there and, I, first of all, very honorable. Um, because, like you've said, that you're coming from, um, a, a, you know, a, 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 a kind of an intimate place of telling your history and uh, telling about, you know, what, ha like you're telling their story of the atrocities that were done there, right? Mm -hmm. You're coming from a good place. But... I'm not sure if I heard a voice say he's coming and I'm not aware of what that he is. Yeah, nope. Yeah. You know. The the, the one thing with that, that separates know. our church from the other ones is this is one of the ones where bad things didn't happen. Bad There's things didn't happen? Didn't happen. Did happen, didn't okay. Happen. Did did not happen. This this church is, is still it's still in operation. Uh but it's an old uh Seminole church. Okay. Very traditional church. Um, traditional Seminole and Creek churches are different from churches that, that people are familiar with. Right. And so we talk about the history of these old Indian churches. Mm -hmm. And with that, um, there's a lot of unexplained things that are going on, especially at this church. And so they were open about it. And so um, one of the things that, I, that this is my favorite is because, you know, hauntings or whatever you want to call it doesn't just happen at bad you know bad places right. bad things happen it could be something where people just want to still be around you just like with this church they know who it is it, it's 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 a grandma it's a grandpa someone has passed on this church meant a lot to them and so when they're singing these seminal hymns they hear them singing with them and so it's more of a sense of comfort for them when they see things and they hear things because it's it's a it's a family member mm -hmm. and so the story is, is pretty um, uh, pretty special, I think. And then um, the, the thing when the things we captured, it's still it's still it's creepy because there's there's voices that you just you don't see what's who's talking to you. But uh, the church congregation will tell you that they're comforted by it because, like I said, they know who it is. All right, so we're about to see a trailer of our church where. Where basically, go ahead, Mikey. Uh, this is a good place. That's a place that's still functional. People are going there, and the idea behind it is that this is not 
only like these spirits are not only in places that are abandoned and where bad things have happened. Sometimes things, you know, entities want to stick around, stick around. and it's still freaking creepy. <laughs> it can be. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So let's take a look at it. Go ahead. Indian churches have a different feel, I would say, than, than your average white church. I like the logo. Keeping that old spirit alive with, um, with part of the, the churches and the culture. The family was just like at home, and uh, my cousin's husband built the camp house for us, so that's how we started camping out here. She said people would almost come and just stay like the entire summer there with their children. Every night, well, I mean, the singing, you know, he, he used to just go. One day, all this all this is going to be gone. All the singing and everything is going to be gone, and nobody's going to be there to pick it up. And that's the way it used to be, all churches around here. As church members passed on, they were laid to rest here on the church grounds near the buildings that meant so much to them. As the years passed, some say the spirits of former members still drop by from time to time. We sit down with current members who share some of their stories of paranormal activity that has occurred here at Rock Springs. This is their footage. singing part, you know, they want to be with us and help us sing, but if they want you to hear them, then yeah. you'll hear them. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, that's the way that, you know, that's the way that works. So, what so we didn't really see any paranormal activity <clears throat> on the trailer, but those are the footage of when you guys are going out there and mm -hmm. doing you know searching for this. Did you find? Did you were you able to record anything? Oh yeah, that, that was probably one of our more active places. Wow, well, um, it was more what they say intelligent because it was telling us what was happening uh, during that time. Um, we got some speaking in Seminole. Um, do you have footage of that? Um, I might like that's one of one of the ones that um I don't that I think really hit home with, as far as what I'm talking about when they are comforted by it is whenever we did whenever this Rock Spring Church let us uh, come film there one of the agreements was they want to see the documentary first before I released it. Of course. You know, again, to make sure it's not just uh, respectful. to exploit them or right. make them look bad or anything like that. And so uh, when we were shooting there that night, uh, there's camp houses, and they mentioned it in the film. Two of our team members were setting up a camera 
they weren't even asking questions yet. They just had a camera rolling and it was filming, it was recording. And in the when I reviewed it, I noticed as he was setting up the camera, this shadow appears on the bottom right of the screen. This person just pops up in the middle of the screen for nine seconds. And then you hear makes like a sigh. It goes mm, kind of like that. Mm. Nope. And it just goes way out of, out of the screen. And I told um, his name is Steve, the guy who's running the camera. I said, did you see this? And I sent it to him and, and he looked at it. And I was like, what was that? And he said, I don't know. He said, I just, I just hit record. And nothing, I don't remember hearing that. And so we put that in the film. And uh, during the uh, first screening, we showed it to the church, the primary screening for them. One of the aunts, one of the, the elders, she started crying. And she told us later, she said, I know who that is. She said, that's my niece. She passed away about about maybe four or five years before that. And she used to always play in front of that camp house. That was her favorite spot to play. And whenever people would take family pictures and they would hold their cameras up to take pictures, she would always do that. She would get in front of the camera. That just kind of, you know, trying to be, you know, being silly. Mm -hmm. And they would tell her, you know, get out of the way. And she would make that same noise, that mm, sound, and she would bring it down. And same you movement, have, same sound. And, and you she have said this, that's her. You have this in the in the film? In the documentary, yeah. In the documentary. Do you know where it is? Because I want to see it. <laughs> <laughs> do you uh, know what? Uh, uh, can we scan to the... Because the document is up there on YouTube, right? Do you know around what part of that is? Uh, probably. Let me... Uh, I might just go through here, too. Look, look around 41 minutes in. I think that might be... So is it the hour? 41. Abnormal? Yep, that one. It's, it's an hour and nine minutes, right? The documentary? Yeah. Okay, that one. And it'll go to 41 minutes. Yep. Go about 41 minutes in. Yeah, so... Um, the footage is the footage is kind of grainy because, like I said, he was still setting up. Yeah, all good. No, but uh, you, you can start, start from, from like of... like a few seconds earlier. Yeah. All right. Let me know when it's ready to put up. Uh dude, rewind a little bit more because I think that's the footage. Right here. They're talking about it. I think they're talking about what, about what's about to happen. So you might go back. Go back a little bit. Pause. Maybe a little bit. Up there is good. Go ahead, then. So that's too much is happening here, I don't think. But the pastor stayed with us, and so he's singing some little hymns for us. Mm -hmm. Point and I started looking at my pictures of what, um, if anything, I captured. If I, you know, seen any words around Steve or anything. And then at the front, at the the front of that camp house is, you know, this image I believe to be an image, and that looks a whole lot like, you know, a, a little, a little kid. You can even see the top of the head. 
there was something that we captured mm-hmm. on 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 the video. Can you talk a little bit about that, Steve? So I just turned my camera around and you know I started doing just a little show of the. I was, I was off a ways and I was just getting a shot, you know, a stock shot to have the the, the church and good view. And as we stood there, we just sat there and asked a few questions because well, we had some things running. And, um, and that's what we captured. Hello. What? Hello. Nope. <laughs> nope. 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 Even living kids, they'll get in your way when you're got a camera. You know, so that's probably what it was. But you know, it didn't bother me a bit in the world. Like I said, that I, I, I just pretty much feel comfortable. So we just came out of. So that that was kind of one of the one I was I kind of wanted to to show because it that kind of talks about what, even though it it's creepy and it creep us out when we saw it, mm-hmm. it, it touched them. It made them feel warm that that's my niece. She's still here. She's still playing. She's still being silly, you know, and she was crying. She was like kind of glad that she's, you know, there just being herself and being silly. And so um, that's why I think this, that, that this particular film kind of separates itself from the others because it's different than the other ones. That's really cool. And that's really cool that there's a human connection to it. But when you repeatedly hear me say, nope, it's because if that had happened to me in front of me, uh, Usain Bolt would have nothing on me and how fast I would run the hell out of there. Uh, that, dude, that's awesome. Uh, yeah, was, I, one of the good examples when I said it's intelligent is, um, and it took a while, we didn't put, we didn't, we didn't piece it together, is we had a team member with the pastors how the church as he's singing the song, a seminal hymn, and Steve and Dee Dee, the one that you saw the interview, they're at the camp house. And so we got a response from after he sang that hymn, response is something like, uh, they're coming back. There's two of them. We didn't know what it meant. Like, what does that mean? Is it, did something happen? But when we started doing the timestamp and piecing everything together, that was the time when Steve and Dee Dee was walking back toward them. And it was letting, it was saying that, you know, they're, they're coming back. There's two of them. He was talking about our two team members. And so it wasn't until like after the fact that we said, oh, that's what he's talking about. Gotcha. So it was very, whatever, it, it's, it's, it, was a, it was an intelligent uh, spirit that was there that was able to kind of talk to us and just kind of communicate with us. Wow. Wow. And like you can 100% see there's a shadow there. You hear the noise very clearly. And by the way, mate, kudos on the editing. Like both the, tr- the the our church trailer soundtrack editing was on point, brother, and then uh, also for um, the the way that you 
pace the documentary, give the audience a second for everything to settle in, the everything like it's it's really well done, and I am hundred percent going to watch the whole documentary now because. <laughs> And, and the fact that is, you know, it's creepy. Like I, I think again, like I said, there's like a really human element to it because it's creepy, sure, but also what it meant for that woman, for I imagine, was incredible. You know, mm-hmm. you know, it, it 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 touched her somewhere that you know, if it wasn't for your work, she wouldn't have experienced. So that's- yeah, and it, it's and she was grateful for it, and. Um... Yeah, it's, it's something that, like I said, back to the thing about being humble. You know, the, that they enjoy it. Uh, they said, thank you for making this. And, you know, they <laughs> they see and hear these things all the time. So they were kind of glad that they weren't, that they weren't the only ones, that they weren't going crazy. That they, I, I've actually proved that um, what they heard and seen is, is being real. But, yeah, they were just so open about it. Just uh, whenever they hear uh, other people sing with them or talking to them, singing them. You know, they don't really get scared. It's like, oh, that's that's grandpa, that's grandma, that's uncle. He's he's just hanging out with us. He wants to fellowship with us. And so, yeah, it's a, it's a different kind of. Uh, I don't I don't even want to call it haunting. I mean, it's a different kind of uh, a, a visitation, I guess. Spiritual. Yeah. yeah. Well, um, speaking of being humble, we've went way beyond the time that we're supposed to. And that's what usually happens with these. Like, I mean, our first podcast, it went six hours. And it was supposed to be two hours just because we just had a good time talking, uh, a good conversation. And this has been great. But I also, I know that we've went over our time a bit, but do you have a little bit more? Because I do want to talk about your other cultural stuff before you finish quickly and just show some of your work before we uh, finish up here. Um, how are you doing? I know we've passed your time, but do you have like, you know, a little bit more time to just uh, talk about those things. Well, yeah, sure, yeah. Okay, great. Um, so I know that. Um, so yes, we're definitely going to talk more about your paranormal stuff more because I'm going to watch these documentaries and I'm going to come back to you, <laughs> and I'm going to have so many questions. But um, you've transitioned like as you, as this is a part of your, one of your projects. You've also, you know, the way we met, you were working on more uh, cultural elements uh, for the Native American community in Oklahoma. Could you tell me a little bit about the work that you do now or that you're more involved with now? So a lot of stuff that I do right now is um, through my, my freelance. My, I have a, two production companies, Native Boy Productions. is the stuff that I go out and I produce myself. Mm-hmm. Um, I fund myself. I, I try to find, you know, these stories. Digital Feather Media is my, my freelance uh, work where people, you know, bring me on and they hire me. And, and um, that's where a lot of it is coming from uh, recently is these tribes are one of these little, these short videos, profile videos, documentaries done. And um, we started one back in 2018 or released one in 2018 about Choctaw Stickball. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what, um, something I was really proud of, but that's what kind of put me on the map as far as like doing cultural films and other people went to, or the tribes wanted me to tell their stories or talk about their history. And, um, to even go back even further, you mentioned David Frank. I was I was doing some stuff with with him um, about language, uh, Seminole and Creek language, um, 
we were it was kind of just like a like a whole grassroots project you know we didn't have the money to do things but we did it anyway you know because mm. david as you met he's very passionate about uh seminole uh, history and culture and so um he brought me on uh to help tell those stories and um this kind of been doing it ever since um through through documentaries and um i've never done documentary before but started um started doing it around that time and just started really really digging it really liking it and um just grateful for it to keep uh telling it and learning about it myself that's really great now um yeah i've been uh, dave actually invited me for uh, a couple of zoom calls where uh they're having they're talking about the language and the history of it yeah it's pretty cool but yeah so you you mentioned that Stigma is something that I really wanted to see when I was down in Oklahoma, but I didn't get a chance to do so because, you know, uh, they ended up canceling that event. But um, yeah, so you have a, you said that this was, this was a, one of the uh, films that put you on the map. You have a trailer for it, and this is something that's available now for people to see, correct? Yes, this one is. So tell me a little bit about this. So uh, so the, the game was Stigball. It's something. Yeah, what is Stigball? It's, uh, it's, it's, it really is the, it's the oldest sport in America. Okay. Um, it was playing before written history. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a game that we played to settle disputes. Okay. Uh, before, instead of going to war and, and losing families, losing warriors, mm-hmm. they created this game. So to settle dispute, they would play a game. And some people still, it was a rough game, so some probably still died, but it was a way for them to settle disputes. It, and then it kind of became a sport. And then just stay with our with our people to where they still play to this day. Now, when you say people uh, die, the you know people still do die, but the point is that not now. As people not die, now. not now, but at that time yeah, when yeah. it's initially played, yeah. the I from what I remember from my conversation with Jake and Rodney is that yeah, people died. It was a very brutal game, but. Mm-hmm. The idea was that a lot less people would die in a game than in an all-out war, and this is a better way to, to war. exactly right. is a better way to settle disputes, mm-hmm. right? So, um, yeah, let's. So, um, this movie is called what? Let's go know what Aya, which what means that mean? Warrior's Journey in Chocolate. Gotcha, Warrior's Journey. Okay, so let's take a look at this trailer. Um, now, this is uh, now you shot this. Is this a narrative or a documentary? This is also a documentary. Gotcha. Okay. And the documentary is about? Uh, the, the Chocolate Nation team, Tuscahoma. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a World Series of Stickball that takes place in Mississippi every year. Okay. One whole year, I follow this team gotcha. as they prepare, practice to get ready for the World Series. Wow. Okay, cool. Let's take a look. It's so much rooted in our past. It's like a tree. It's got its roots in the past. But that tree grows. And, you know, one branch is there in Mississippi. One branch is here in Oklahoma. But we're all from that same tree, you know. And, and from that tree, we make those sticks. This is Choctaw Stickball. You know, someone will ask, how do you, how do you describe stickball? And I'm like, well, it's rugby. It's football. It's basketball. It's soccer, it's lacrosse, it's all these things in one. Stickball itself is pure. 
those who kept our language, who kept our stories, who kept our sticks, you know, they carried that forward for us. And that's a way that I can still honor my ancestors. What you're trying to do is you're trying to build these youth up so that they in the future will become a part of Team Tushkahoma. So we a community, we we a family. Pretty much all of us, we are families. Time we get a team practice going on, let's make an effort to get out there and get better. But we got to, we got four months. The World Series of Stickballing, it's the main event when it comes to stickballing. To play in Mississippi, you know, it's an honor. It's, we like it. I love it. You know, it's always a good day to play Choctaw Stickball. What does stickball mean to me? It means everything. It's part of my identity as a Choctaw person. This is all shot by you, right? And yes, edited sir. by you? Yeah. And uh, may I ask how old you are, are you now? 44. 44. In yeah. 14 years, you have mastered a craft, brother. Like that is, I, I've seen plenty of uh, documentaries, young filmmakers, filmmakers who have done this for decades. Just the editing and the shots that you've captured. I mean, well done. Thank you, thank you. And uh, I'm and Mikey knows I am the harshest <laughs> uh, of a, of films. And like, there's movies I would watch. I'm just like, nope, this like that was all wrong. That just wasn't <laughs> done correctly. Forget it. Like when I'm watching this, but those were really well done, man. Good job. Thank you. I appreciate that. I'm gonna I'm I, I I'm going to watch these and plus we'll definitely put them up on our site. Now, uh. So what 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 are you doing next? I I from what I remember that you you mentioned you mentioned that you you kind of visited something big happening. You're getting a, a, a distribution from a, we're not gonna name it, but you're getting distribution from a, a you're in the final talks of with a pretty big one of the one of the big big uh, streaming services. Is that correct? Yeah. So uh, hopefully I'll hear some good news here in the next uh, few weeks. Um, I do have uh, a couple of films uh, on Amazon Prime right, right now. Um, okay. uh, Shiloh is one. Um, it's about a, a Native American uh, female boxer. Okay. I think I may have sent you that trailer too. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I've done a lot of, a lot of sports documentaries. Um, but um, so I have one that uh, hopefully we'll get some good news and it'll be on, on the streaming site soon. Great. Um, yeah, I'm in post-production on another stickball film uh, called Journey of Tiakakia Ahoyo. Okay. Uh, I went back to the World Series of Stickball this past year mm -hmm. and uh, followed one of the women's teams. And uh, I'm excited about that one because that's actually from my reservation, where, where my family's from. So mm -hmm. we were telling their story and um, got their their journey to the World Series. Um mm -hmm. So there, I think I sent you the trailer for that one too. Yeah. So that one I'm in post-production on. 
Yeah, I um that that's that's coming up, right? Yes, that's that'll yeah. be the next one that should get released. Gotcha. Now, um, ex uh, explain this to me. You mentioned that this is Choctaw Stakeball, correct? Mm -hmm. How is that? Um, from my understanding, as you explained, there are different tribes that play each other. In here, are only the Choctaw tribe playing each other? With this particular tournament, yeah. Well, uh, as of recently, uh, the Chickasaw tribe sent a team, or they have a couple years ago, they sent a team for the first time. Mm -hmm. um, there's here in Oklahoma, they kind of refer to it, I guess, as Choctaw style or stickball. Um, the Cherokees uh, of north, uh, northeast here in Oklahoma, they play their own style of stickball, but to compete or play in tournaments, they'll play what they call Choctaw style. And so, um, so you have the Choctaw, the Chickasaw, the Cherokees kind of playing each other. And, it's, and sometimes, depending on the tournament, they may come up with a certain different rule here or there. Mm -hmm. just to make things maybe safer or just to kind of accommodate that, that particular tournament. Um, so some things can be changed, they'll tweak here and there. Uh, but for the most part, what happens in the World Series, that's kind of the standard down there as far as the rules and that kind of stuff. Uh, but even then, every year, they kind of get together and see what they can kind of do to improve or make things a little bit safer because, um, and it has gotten a little bit safer than what it used to be 15, 20 years ago. Wow. And so, uh, yeah, they're always adapting, kind of making things, changes here and there. Uh, again, you mentioned tribes played differently, Seminoles and Creeks, and David may have mentioned this to you. They play a different style of stickball. Yeah. Um, theirs is more ceremonial. Uh, they play after after a, a stomp dance. It's something that's really not meant to be seen in public. Mm -hmm. um, there's no tournaments. <laughs> they don't play tournament style. Choctaws gotcha. play tournament style. Uh, it's on YouTube. There's a YouTube live streaming of games. Uh, a documentary, as you just seen, mm -hmm. you won't see that about Seminoles and Creeks. Their their game is a lot more, um, I would probably say, sacred, and they kind of keep it close to them. And um, so, yeah, there's different styles and different approaches to it. So it's it's when when you when that person on the narration and the. Our trailer describes it as this is like football, mm -hmm. rugby. Like, dude, I saw some of those tackles. A lot of it <laughs> that's, was that's no joke. When um, so you think about basketball, you know, there's a, there's a jump ball in basketball. Start the game. That stick ball. You've got the hundred yard field on the football. Oh. Um, the tackling, uh, the passings. Um, there's a lot of the things that are that we see in today's sports kind of derived from stickball. Wow. Well. Um, on that note, I mean, I'll definitely play that trailer of the new upcoming one, which is, that was the third one that you sent us? Uh, this might be a journey of Tiakakia Ahoyo. Yeah. So this one's more of a teaser trailer, so it's not very long, but. Sure. Well, listen, man, uh, you know, I know you gave us way more time than we had initially planned for, but that's how these conversations usually go. I, uh, hope you enjoy the conversation you know um, definitely, i do uh we'll definitely would love to have you back uh to talk more about your paranormal stuff and the next time you're doing one of those facebook live stuff let me know <laughs> i want to get in yeah. there with a blanket and some popcorn and um <laughs> and yeah well blanket because i'll be scared shitless um <laughs> but can i just see mike at work again please and uh also <clears throat> what i would um 
you know, I'm just very appreciative of the, t of the work that you're doing. It's, it's important work. You know, I know that Dave, I, I respect Dave Franks greatly. The, and he, I know how highly he thinks of you. Uh, so that means a lot to me. Um, so thank you for being here. Thank you for taking the time to speak with us and for sharing your story. And we'd love to put this stuff up. And um, once this goes up, we'll send, you know, we'll send it over to you. One thing that you did mention is that, you know, you fund a lot of this stuff yourself. Mm -hmm. uh, do you have a day job or do you just fully do this? Uh, so I do, uh, I actually work with David. Okay. Um, yeah, I do the, I'm the, I do the media uh, stuff for Seminole Nation of Oklahoma. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. And then, uh, but they've been really good as for, when they brought me on, I was already doing all these freelance jobs. Gotcha. And one of the things was they wanted the same style of documentary filmmaking that I was doing to bring it to the Seminole Nation. Gotcha. But they, they let me uh, still do my other stuff, other projects. And so it's just kind of a good working environment right now. Um, get to tell the history and the culture of the Seminole people, mm -hmm. uh, David's people, and still get to work with these other tribes as well. So that's my daytime job. Mm -hmm. And then when these other um, tribes bring me on to their projects, that's kind of the, the side stuff. Gotcha. Now, you mentioned that about getting funds. If somebody wanted to check out your stuff, and send you some funds or it would be if they're interested in producing your films, where could they find your things? So the, the current latest work is always on my Facebook page uh, under Digital right. Feather Media. Okay, Digital Feather Media. And then same email, digitalfeathermedia at gmail.com. Gotcha. And uh, for your native uh, Boy Productions, um, is the, do you have a site for that? There, there's also a Facebook page, Native Boy Productions. And then... Um, nativeboyproductions at gmail.com as well. Either one of those, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll see. Yeah, we'll, we'll put those things up. And, you know, it's good work, man. And I'm sure, you know, the more we get it out there, you know, people would be interested and, in, uh, you know, definitely, you know, putting some money behind this stuff. Um, especially, the, I mean, great work. Very impressed. And um, hopefully we get to talk again soon. All right. We're going to end this awesome. um, with, uh, with the final trailer of Journey of, Pronounce that for me properly so I don't butcher it. Tiakakia Ahoyo, which is Standing Pine Women. One more time. Tiakakia Ahoyo. Journey of Tiakakia Ahoyo. Ahoyo. All right. Hey, man. Take okay. care. Thank you so much for being here. And here, let's watch the trailer. All right. Thanks. doesn't even matter